Yes, so the young boy picked it up, and I asked spectators. They said he laid it right back. Okay. Hey, uh, hey, guys, Jason, I'm going to call an official just because somebody picked it up. Go ahead and uh, putt Keegan if you want. Suppose for a minute you're a PGA Tour pro in contention on Sunday. Things are going smoothly until one loose shot causes your golf ball to wind up on a cart path. You know you get relief, but where you're going to drop now possibly brings a grandstand into play. And wait, shouldn't that be considered ground under repair? Suddenly, you're thinking about a lot more than winning a golf tournament. You're worried about incurring a penalty, an embarrassing, possibly reputation-damaging penalty, and at the very least, a very, very costly penalty. With stakes that high, a player would like to be able to count on someone they can trust. Think of it as one of those phone-a-friend lifelines that can deliver the correct answer. And if you've played on the PGA Tour over the past four decades, it's usually one of two people who will pick up the call. Mark Russell and Slugger White haven't always provided players with the news they want to hear, but as PGA Tour rules officials for a combined 80 years, They've been the final answer to countless rulings over their lengthy careers. Watch enough golf, and you likely know them as the guys on the walkie-talkies who come in when a rules dispute arises, or as the guys who give players the ground rules at the start of a playoff. They're also the guys who have to make the tough calls when it's been raining for 12 straight hours, and you're wondering when they'll start playing golf again. In some ways, they're the equivalent of a referee in basketball, or an umpire in baseball, but in other ways, their job is completely different. After all, a ref or an umpire doesn't have to set up the court or the field, since those dimensions are fixed. And while those guys chase around athletes with a whistle in their mouths, rules officials like Slugger White spend most of the time waiting in golf carts to be summoned. I've had so many players say, yeah, you know, I'll see them at the first part of the week, and, uh, you know, I say, have a great week. So, you know, I hope I don't see you. I said, that'd be great. <laughs> so what's it like to be a rules official at the game's highest level? How does it feel to hold a tour pro's fate in the palm of your hand? I'm Alex Myers, and this is Local Knowledge, where we take a deep dive into some of the game's compelling stories. On this episode, we'll examine the role of the rules official on golf's biggest stage by talking with Russell and White, who have served as co-vice presidents of competition for the PGA Tour. We'll also chat with one of their European Tour counterparts, John Paramore, to get a sense of what goes into this fun but stressful job and to hear some of their most memorable tour tales. Coincidentally, all three, along with the European Tour's Andy McPhee, have decided to end their careers at around the same time, taking some 160 years of experience with them. Those men are all stepping aside, but their roles have by no means lost their importance. As long as there's golf, there will be questions about the game's rules. The PGA Tour's old slogan is, these guys are good, Mark Russell and Slugger White's could be, these guys are everywhere. Slugger with his trademark Panama hat is particularly noticeable on the golf course, but most of the time they're relatively out of sight. Here's how Paramore, who retired as the European Tour's chief referee in 2020, puts it. It's a bit like you're, you're, you know, you're an emergency doctor. Mm-hmm. And you're just sitting there with a, with a radio. You have no idea what, what is going to be called next. Right. And when that radio does go off, there is a little bit of um, anxiety thinking, oh, my God, is this going to be the one that I don't know? Uh, is this going to finish my career? It can be a terrifying thing. I, th- I mean, somebody said it's, it's hours and hours of boredom interspersed with moments of extreme panic. Also like a doctor, a good rules official needs a good bedside manner. The decisions being handed down throughout a tournament, even one made early in the week, 
can often be worth thousands, if not millions of dollars. All three acknowledge having some testy run-ins with players throughout their careers. It would be impossible not to, even if those situations are rare. Respect of the players has to be earned for sure, but they say for the overwhelming majority of time, tour pros are a pleasure to deal with. Here's Russell's take. You know, that's the great thing about golf, Alex, is you're all, it, it attracts the finest people. It's a ladies and gentlemen's game, and it's a game that uh, is different from any other game. I mean, less is better. That sets it apart right there. Right. I mean, four beats a five and a three beats a four. Okay. Mm-hmm. All other games, how many points can I score? How many runs yep. can I score? What can I do? Yep. But, and, and golf is such a game of honor because it would be so easy to uh, fudge things and cheat if, you know, you wanted to. And that respect goes both ways. Most golf fans think of rules officials as ancillary characters. But when you've been around as long as these guys, you become part of the main cast. When I was 20 and I got onto the European Tour, part of the mystique of getting on the European Tour was like, John Paramore is going to be one of the referees. I'm going to have like a ruling off him at some point. Or like, you know, think, things like that. And, and they, they do, they are actually a massive part of the tour. That's Tommy Fleetwood, one of the best golfers in the world, talking about one of the best rules officials in the world. I think everybody has pretty good relationships with them. And I think those guys that have put so much time into the game, that they're going to be missed. No matter how much time you put into the game, though, the rules of golf are tricky, even for the people whose jobs revolve around them. Slugger White also spent four years on the PGA Tour as a player. Back then, he went by Carlton. And he says he's still learning. You think you know him until, until you get into him, <laughs> and then you find out that you really didn't know him. <laughs> um, I mean, I thought, I thought I knew, you know, pretty much, you know, you, you kind of know the basics, right. but then, but then you get into the decision book and, and back then, you know, we had a decision book that had like 1200 decisions and you think 1200 decisions and I've <laughs> got to know these things. So you just kind of, you know, think about situations, you go to the book and you kind of, kind of learn through, uh, you know, it's like learn, learn what you can, when you can, as fast as you can. You can prepare all you want, though. Golf will still present situations you've never seen before. John Paramore says he saw something for the first time while working his final European tour event in August. We probably get two or three a year that we've never come across before. Right. Well, as anybody else. Right. um, But that's the beauty of the game. It's also one of its quirks. At the 2020 WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational, Bryson DeChambeau made an unusual claim when he said his golf ball was resting near a hill of fire ants. PGA Tour rules official Ken Tackett showed up for a conversation that lasted more than three minutes, but ended with him not granting DeChambeau relief. I mean, it's your call, but yeah, yeah. I just I don't see any fire ants in the sense that would be, you know, a dangerous situation. Paramore fondly recalls a similar situation involving Seve Ballesteros on the final hole of the 1994 Volvo Masters. Ballesteros was tied with Bernhard Langer, but in trouble after a wayward drive. With his ball up against the tree. Ballesteros claimed he should be granted relief from the sandy area he felt had been dug by an animal. Paramore disagreed and held firm against the golf legend. Well, during this this sort of 20-minute ruling that, right. that I had with him, um, the, um, the hole itself had a smaller hole, you know, probably about that size. Right. And I started probing it with my finger, you know, just to see if I could get any evidence from it. Yeah. And he put his hand on my shoulder and said, be careful, it might bite. <laughs> Classic. Absolutely classic. 
and um, it, thankfully it didn't. But you know, yeah. I, I was kind of giggling underneath it and, right. and trying not to burst out laughing. If you're going to gamble on golf, you may as well do it right. And for any golf fan who's curious about betting on golf but hasn't gotten serious about it, we have the podcast for you. Be Right is Golf Digest's weekly gambling podcast featuring the latest PGA Tour intel and picks from an expert panel that is up nearly 300 units this season. That's a gambling term, by the way. With thoughts from some of fantasy sports' brightest minds and even an anonymous tour caddy at our side, we've done our best to turn betting on golf into a science to help you make money off golf. While we can't promise that you'll come out ahead every week, we can guarantee you'll be well-informed and entertained along the way. So stop doing golf wagers wrong and join us on Be Right. As a general rule for an official, the less interaction there has to be with players on the course, the smoother the golf tournament. But as much as these guys would like to sit still watching golf while working on their tans, that's becoming more difficult to do. Russell, White, and Paramore all agree they've become busier throughout tournament rounds in recent years. For two reasons, really. The younger generation of players seems to know less about the rules, even while playing for much more. These guys are playing for a lot of money. And the last thing they want to do is make a mistake that, you know, that could be avoided for just, just a call that would take maybe a minute and a half out of their day and, uh, and, 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 and to avoid that mistake. It's helped that the process has picked up in recent years. If a PGA Tour pro has a question, he tells the walking scorer, who radios the rules committee which then sends in the closest rules official. There's also a rules official always assigned to watching coverage of the event to monitor other issues that can surface. To help players get a better grasp on the rules, Paramore says the European Tour started giving out tests to its players beginning in 2019. Those who fail twice get a 30-minute private tutorial with an official. The PGA Tour hasn't implemented anything like that yet, but perhaps it should. Here's Russell describing what happened the last time the Tour tried something in this area. So we put a rules seminar together, and I think two players showed up. So, man, I was going to go to that rules seminar, but hell, I'm going to dinner tonight. Right, right, right. <laughs> Russell says the recent rules changes have simplified things for the players. Still, there's a lot the tour pros get wrong, especially because there's a lot they have to deal with compared to weekend hackers. For instance, one situation that pops up often is around temporary immovable objects, or TIOs. These are usually related to tournament-based structures such as grandstands or scoreboards. Often, players will call on a rules official just to confirm they're taking proper relief. Just don't expect Justin Thomas to be one of those guys. It helps that Thomas grew up as the son of a PGA professional, but whatever the reason, Slugger has been impressed by both JT's rules knowledge and curiosity. Justin is the only one that, uh, that really kind of, I mean, he, he talks about it during the playoffs. Time. That, which is I mean, and then that's when that's when uh, Jimmy Jimmy says Jimmy Johnson says I put up with this all the time, <laughs> so uh, it's kind of funny, you know. It's like, and I, I even have to say, you know, Justin, you need to get you need to go ahead and think about what you're doing here. So <laughs> I got to walk away from. Much as the recent rules changes have been well received, they've still been an adjustment for both players and veteran officials like Russell. But it still short circuits me to see people move uh, loose impediments in the bunkers and penalty areas yeah. and, um, you know, just tap down things on their line. I mean, when you've been doing something for so long and you're so dialed into that, next thing you know, people are doing that. Well, 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 well that's right. You can do right. that. You know? <laughs> but um, 
I think a lot of the rules changes uh, were very good. Of course, one of the big differences between tour players and average golfers is they have officials nearby to help clear up any confusion about a rule. It's a security blanket only to an extent though, because Russell White and Paramore are all quick to admit the players aren't the only ones who make mistakes. When that does happen, the rules official must seek out the player to prevent it from happening again. That can lead to some uncomfortable exchanges, although Paramore couldn't help but laugh about making a mistake in his final event. I can tell you that my last ever ruling was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you spent, well, I spent um, the entire week saying you just got one week left, just one week, just don't, you know, mess up. Right. And, uh, you know, I mess up on the last day. I can't believe it. So anyway, I went and saw the player and, and he laughed about it. And uh, he could see the funny side, you know, my last day and I absolutely get it wrong. They say you never forget your first kiss, but Slugger White will never forget his first ruling. It doesn't hurt that it happened to involve arguably the greatest golfer in history. Coincidentally, Jack Nicholas had run into Slugger earlier in the week and had heard he had switched from being a player to a rules official. Now, just a couple days later, they met face to face to determine whether Nicholas was entitled to free relief from a spotty lie. I get in the cart and, and these carts were old. You could hear me coming from four <laughs> miles away. And and I go down there and Jack is standing there and, and uh, I said, and can I help you, Jack? And he said, yes, what is this? And it was a... Uh, it was a French drain of which we treated like ground under repair. Right. And I said, uh, it's ground under repair. And, we, and I said, it's a French drain. We treat it like ground under repair. And, and I always said, he looked at me in those steely blue eyes. He said, are you sure? And I said, I'm positive. He said, <laughs> okay, where do I drop it? And I said, right here. So, uh, so he was comfortable. I was comfortable. And then I drove, <laughs> I drove away and I thought, I thought to myself, well, that was an easy one. And let's, uh, let's worry about the hard ones later. Not surprisingly, Slugger has faced plenty of hard ones since. One that stands out for him involved Kevin Stadler in 2005. Stadler was among the leaders in Las Vegas to start the third round when he approached Slugger about a damaged club he discovered in his bag on the first hole. It was the most gut-wrenching one I've ever had. Yes, it was. Uh, I knew I knew what the end result was, uh, and uh, I, I let it play out, and uh, it, it just... And Kevin didn't do anything, and uh, the the uh, it, the rule has, has since changed to just a penalty situation, not a disqualification. Hmm. But it just uh, it just made me, you know, it made me ill. In a strange twist, one of Russell's most memorable moments involved Kevin's dad, 1982 Masters champ Craig Stadler, at Torrey Pines in 1987. Most golf fans have probably seen the clip of the Walrus kneeling on a towel to hit a shot from under a tree in the third round. Russell, who wasn't notified of the possible infraction until after a TV viewer called in during the final round, had no choice but to rule Stadler had illegally built a stance. And since he had signed an incorrect scorecard the prior day, he had to be DQ'd. We really went to all lengths to see if we could get him out of that. Mm. You know, but the way the rule was written, there's no way. You know, violated the rule. It, it, it's to, still to this day. I mean, that was in the '80s. Yeah. Still to this day, amazes me that somebody didn't say, "Whoa, man, you need to call somebody before you do that." Right. But Craig did it anyway. Folded a couple times. He didn't want his uh, 
pants to get dirty and uh, <laughs> thus he was disqualified i think he finished second or third in the tournament oh. and um but yeah that was a long afternoon too it doesn't always have to end that way though in fact all three are adamant they are not out to get the players here's how paramore describes how he approaches a rules issue i've often often had cross swords with uh, uh, young referees coming along and say oh i'm going out there to penalize someone Hmm. And I said, no, you're going out there to save someone from penalty. That's what hmm. our job is. Which is why Slugger begins every on-course player interaction with the same five words. How can I help you? And contrary to how some tour pros may feel, officials work hard to make sure all players get treated the same when it comes to rulings. Yeah, I always look at a situation, Alex, where, you know, a ball doesn't have a face on it. You know, it's just a ball in a situation and you just go with, with, with what, what you've got in front of you. And, and I think uh, most, of, most of these guys know that, you know, when, when a guy like myself or Mark Russell or some of the older guys, when we walk in there, they know that we've been around enough that we're, you know, it's like the respect I think is still there. And they, they know, might, might know the name or, or uh, and, and, and they know we're going to get, they're going to get a fair shake. And as Russell is well aware of, Sometimes rulings have nothing to do with the ball. With just a few holes to go in the 2011 Players' Championship, Russell was alerted that KJ Choi's caddy, Andy Proger, had been using something to test the wind. So when Choi finished his round tied for the lead with David Toms, Russell arrived on the scene. After learning Proger had just been tossing a handkerchief in the air to test the breeze, the playoff went on, and Choi wound up claiming the biggest title of his career. So it was a huge relief to me that he was, it was not a rules infraction and we continued to play off. I mean, we had how many millions of people watching that all over the world and a huge, huge crowd there at uh, Sawgrass right. and everybody waiting on this playoff. And I'm going to go in there and disqualify this guy. <laughs> but uh, that, that was an intense time. Golf fans weren't even aware that happened, but such is the nature of the gig. Here's PGA Tour Senior VP and Chief of Operations Tyler Dennis himself a former rules official, on the harsh reality of the job. If everything goes right and, and, and well and there's no problems, you've done your job, but nobody thanks you. You know, they just kind of go, <laughs> great tournament. Right. It's only, it's only when things go wrong that you're suddenly in the limelight. Russell, White, and Paramore are certainly familiar with such situations, but perhaps none more so than Paramore, who came under scrutiny for handing out a rare slow play penalty during the 2014 Masters. Making the situation even more explosive was the fact it was a 14-year-old named Tian Lang Guan who was docked a stroke during the second round. Paramore took plenty of heat for the ruling, even getting an earful from one of Guan's playing partners, two-time Masters champion Crenshaw. But he stands by the decision he made that day with the help of Fred Ridley, who was then chairman of the competition committee at Augusta National. If anything, in fact, Paramore says he was lenient with Guan. So why was a teenager slapped with a slow play penalty at the world's biggest tournament while older players avoid the same fate? According to Paramore, it's because they know how to work the system. They're not getting the penalties, Annex, because basically by the time they've had their first bad time, they know exactly what, what they, they have to they do. Can't. They, okay, to they, can't. they just take it to the edge all the they time, which the I, I feel is very dangerous because, right. you know, there's always going to be a point in time where you want an extra few seconds all three rules officials are happy with the new penalty and fine structures that have been set up on both the PGA Tour and European Tour, and believe slow play will get better. 
but it will remain an uncomfortable conversation with any sluggish player, no matter their age. It's no fun, yeah. but it's what we do. Right. <laughs> I didn't get a bad time. You did. <laughs> I didn't get out of position. You did. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I tell you, I've told guys many times, I said, listen, I don't want to hear it. I said, all we hear about the pace of play, the pace of play, we do something about it, and you guys get angry. <laughs> you guys are on the clock, all right? Being on call to settle rules disputes and speed up play is only part of the job of a rules official. Setting up a golf course for a PGA Tour event falls under the rules committee as well, and is a process that takes months and involves various staff members working with the venue. Along with one of the tour's agronomists, a rules official will get to a tournament site a week in advance to begin final preparations before more rules officials arrive to finish the process. That's when potential tees and pin positions are mapped out, while possible problem areas such as ground under repair get marked. If the rules committee has done its job well, it's anticipated a host of problems before they even arise. Weather, of course, plays an important role as well. In addition to causing delay in play, a decision that falls under the purview of the rules committee, the forecast is also a factor in determining tees and pin positions. Our meteorologist, he keeps us totally dialed in on the wind. Mm -hmm. um, that's a big thing we have to deal with because we're going to have a pretty stiff wind and we've got a long hole that's, you know, forced carry. Probably move those tees up right. so that, you know, players can, you know, carry it uh, the distance they need to you know, in a reasonable amount. We want to set it up as difficult as you can possibly play, but fair. Mm -hmm. Golf's hard enough to play as is <laughs> without uh, adding a lot of things in there that sure. uh, additional things. I mean, you can put the hole in the middle of the green. Some guys are still going to make bogey. It's hard, you know. Some processes aren't quite as sophisticated. Take when there's a playoff. A rules official will simply write numbers on pieces of paper fold them up, and place them in a hat to be drawn in the order of which player posted his 72-hole score first. According to Russell, there's never been a mishap, but he's gotten some pushback through the years. I remember Ken Thompson, who uh, years ago was the CEO of, CEO of Wachovia, was on our board at one time. He was amazed because he was with me running the playoff at the Wachovia tournament, and he said, this is the way you do this? Are you kidding me? You know, you guys need some like a coin or something like that you right. know, to, to make it uh, a little more official. But right. we found out over the years that, you know, look, we just fold those things up, put them in the hat, let people draw. And Daniel Berger told me one time, I saw which numbers were. I said, there's no way you saw which numbers. Well, I folded it four times. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> the rules crew makes tea times for the field. Make sure each group has a walking score make sure all the bunkers are properly raked, and even make snacks for players at the turn. Okay, so not that last part, but you get the point. There's a lot of work that goes into putting on and running a professional golf tournament. Mark Russell and Slugger White have really been the kind of the bedrock of the PGA Tour, to be honest, um, over really more than 40 years. And, you know, in, in Slugger's case, he played on the tour before that. Right. So he's been part part of the heart of soul and soul of what we do and like you said yeah you know fans fans know them they're the they're the head rules officials if you will our vice presidents of rules and competitions but in a lot of ways they're also kind of the unsung heroes behind the scenes <laughs> and um you know they have done a remarkable job you can tell how much these guys love their jobs because 
Well, they can't let them go. Despite being retired, all three are staying involved with their respective tours in one way or another. When I spoke to Slugger, he was already preparing to be on site at the American Express, his first of a handful of PGA Tour stops in 2021. And no matter how many tournaments he's worked, there's always some brushing up to do. I'm going to Palm Springs uh, uh, a week from Monday, hmm. and I will spend probably the next, uh, next 10 or 12 days just leaping through, uh, just going through rule by rule, just, just to, uh, so my mind doesn't go soft on me. You know, it's like you, <laughs> you kind of turn to mush after a while if you're not careful. And, uh, and I want to be sharp when I get out there. None will miss the travel or those days when the rain just won't stop, or even the pressure of making an important, perhaps unpopular call with the cameras rolling. Still, the gig has its perks. Why did I stay so long? I don't know, probably because I'm, I'm absolutely useless at doing anything else. <laughs> and, um, and, and actually, it is the best job in the world. So, you know, why would you give up the best job in the world? They're also continuing to stick around to ensure a smooth transition to a new guard of rules guardians. The PGA Tour is losing the retiring Dillard Pruitt and John Lilvis as well. But Russell and White know the operation has been left in good hands because they've had a hand in finding their replacements. Gary Young will lead the PGA Tour's rules and competition department with Steve Rintoul, John Much, Stephen Cox, and Ken Tackett moving into the roles of senior tournament directors under him. They may not be household names yet, but in this job, notoriety isn't necessarily a good thing. It'll be nice for Russell, White, and Paramore to not have to enforce things like TIOs or pace of play anymore, but don't expect them to stop thinking about how to address such problems, even as they transition from a golf cart inside the ropes to the living room couch. You know, listen, when we play 156 players, Alex, summertime, I mean, we've got 20, 26 groups on 18 holes. If anyone can figure out a way that that's going to play fast, please call me. Russell is serious. Because retirement or not, the game goes on. And as long as these guys are paying attention, they'll want to make it better. Of course, now they'll be on the clock more with more free time to play the sport they love. Although, funny enough, Slugger says he's a lot looser with the rules in his regular game. Well, I have to. <laughs> they might not invite me back to play. Local Knowledge is produced by Gregory Gottfried with editorial guidance from Sam Wyman. Our music for today's episode is called Dancing on the Sofa, and it's by Lobo Loco. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to Local Knowledge wherever you get your podcasts. And check out Golf Digest's weekly gambling podcast, Be Right. Thank you.